Hello, Ahlan, and Assalamu alaikum. I'm Hamza Sheikh, and I welcome you to another episode of EM for You. Uh, we're going to be changing the format slightly. Uh, we're going to be moving from an exam mode now to something that's more needed. Uh, is uh, and it's new for some, but certainly, certainly very, very helpful to talk about at least and find out what's going on in, uh, in the world out there. And that is about ultrasound in this current pandemic and this disease of COVID-19 or coronavirus. Uh, as people might. Initial uh, plan was to start with basics of ultrasound, but I think we need to dive in straight away uh, to what's the current issue. I've got a special guest with me who is certainly my guru and uh, does quite a lot of ultrasound out there besides doing general emergency medicine. So Dr. Shukla, welcome. Can you introduce yourself? Hello, Hamza. It's such a pleasure to be on your podcast today. And um, um, I, I, we still miss you here at Hamad. Um, I joined Hamad uh, Emergency Department in 2007. Okay. I have a special interest in uh, point of care ultrasound. Um, I frequently post things on Twitter with the handle at Dr. Shukla14. Mm-hmm. Um, I regard myself as PGY20. Um, so, <laughs> right, right, okay. Uh, so still open to a uh, lot of uh, suggestions, and um, uh, what is underappreciated is how much you learn from people who join you as trainees, and then eventually progress and become excellent teachers in their own right. Mm-hmm. And I would definitely regard Hamza as one of those people. Oh, thank you very much. That's that's excellent. Uh, and uh, I probably have to up the standards now at my current workplace so that people think the same here. <laughs> excellent. <laughs> uh, so, so, I mean, uh, that's excellent. I mean, you're using ultrasound for pretty much everything. Can you just uh, give us an idea of what you're using it for and where did you start and where has it taken to you? I started ultrasound originally in a previous life when I was a fresh internal medicine graduate um, <laughs> and wanted to join cardiology. So my journey started with echocardiography. Okay. Mm-hmm. When I joined the emergency department, I had no idea what is the full form of the acronym FAST. Yeah. Um, um, so I would like to reiterate that if I can do ultrasound, anyone can. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, it is uh, uh, ultimately a motor skill with some interpretation and background knowledge requirement. Um, I don't think there's any emergency physician who is practicing who would not be able to become competent. Um, I think this is one of those low-hanging fruits. There are a lot of things which we do in emergency medicine which are infinitely more complex. Mm-hmm. Um, there are numerous barriers. Uh, equipment availability was a huge one. 
but which is uh, nowadays uh, becoming less of a problem as uh, our uh, leaders and um, uh, authorities are recognizing point of care ultrasound can uh, definitely has got improved patient-oriented outcomes um, okay. as well as uh, the, in the era of um, personally affordable handheld devices, mm -hmm. um, yeah. uh, which are going to be game changers in the next few years to come, I think. Okay, so uh, uh, perfect. Thank you so much for that. Um, now, I think if we actually dive in, maybe we can, you know, probably take a step back in next coming episodes once all this pandemic uh, is uh, hopefully over and we come out of it successful uh, and we treat most of the patients uh, that that's that's what we are hoping for. We can probably take a step back and go on the basics of ultrasound so that our uh, newer listeners or uh, junior trainees as or residents, as you may call it, would actually understand the concept. So, but for today, I think if we dive into COVID-19 and the use of point of care ultrasound. Uh, so what do you say? I mean, uh, is it any use? And uh, how would you like to talk about it? Um, so there are so many questions which we can uh, um, um, raise and answer. Mm -hmm. uh, but while we are uh, talking about the pandemic, the number one question is going to be that should you be doing ultrasound on these patients at all? Okay. Um, the calm side of the argument would say that if you take ultrasound to examine a COVID-19 patient, what yeah. information would you get that a chest X-ray would not give you. Mm -hmm. um, and you are introducing an unnecessary fomite into yeah. the clinical area, which uh -huh. might uh, um, cause infection um, spread to other patients or cause infection control issues uh, to the hospital staff. Right. Um, um, with everything else in emergency medicine, and I think emergency physicians would um, understand this the most, it's all emergency medicine, in my opinion, is a lot about variability. We deal with variability of patient numbers. We deal with variability of patient acuity. And we deal with variability of uh, presentation. We deal with variability of resources. Mm -hmm. We deal with variable information. Um, on a side note, I think the whole world now understands what emergency medicine deals with every day. Yeah. Because currently the world is having to make a lot of decisions without enough data oh yeah <laughs> which we do have yes. <laughs> which is the bread and butter of emergency medicine we have to make decisions in emergency care without having the full information exactly. not just in the setting of covid but in the setting of almost everything else in emergency yes medicine. and i think so, sorry to interrupt but i think that's highly variable from place to place as well in some places we might be taking probably quicker decisions uh, and leave the diagnosis for somebody else. Whereas others, you might go all the way to making a diagnosis. Yeah. Absolutely. It is the least, I call it the least standardized specialty, emergency medicine. Emergency mm -hmm. medicine in UK would be very different from emergency medicine, Qatar versus US versus yeah. India or Pakistan. True. So, okay. um, so the question in emergency medicine um, is not should I use ultrasound in a COVID-19 patient? Mm -hmm. If you know the patient has got COVID-19, or even if you know what your patient has, COVID-19 lung problem, 
by which we mean a pneumonia if you know that your patient has a pneumonia yeah you don't need to take an ultrasound machine in the room you don't need to go into the room true you do not need to go into the room yeah. if you're if you know that your patient has got pneumonia for the purpose of confirming the diagnosis if the information is available to you mm-hmm. um, uh, the issue in emergency medicine is going to be the following especially uh, when um, uh, we might have a situation like what they are experiencing in italy or in new york mm-hmm. um and the situation is that if you have a patient right with shortness of breath mm-hmm. you have no idea what they have got you are not sure they could have a pneumonia but they also could have pulmonary edema they could have pulmonary embolism they could have a pneumothorax yeah if all those things are still present in your differential mm-hmm. and if you have to do your patient evaluation via a full personal protective equipment cover yeah possibly in a setting where your department is overwhelmed with numerous patients and x-rays are going to take a while yeah in that situation is ultrasound likely to help and i think the question answers itself there's yeah. zero doubt there's zero doubt that's true it's definitely helping yeah Mm-hmm. um which other tool can get you the answer about ruling out a pneumothorax yeah ruling out pericardial tamponade yes uh making sure that the rv is not big and ballooned out which might make you think of pulmonary embolism have a quick eyeball at left ventricular systolic function which if it is impaired with profuse b lines would point you in the direction of cardiogenic pulmonary edema yeah all of these non covid emergencies are not going to stop coming in just because we have covid going on mm. and you do not want to do a disservice to uh, a patient who comes with with those pathologies true um and your auscultation uh, if you are planning to auscultate this patients yeah i would definitely suggest cutting that out mm-hmm. um and uh, uh, going with ultrasound straight away i think there's no other um, utility other than wheeze detection but when we are dealing with a situation of uh, potentially highly transmissible viral infection auscultation itself is there's there's no pp in your ears is there no for sure <laughs> when you are auscultating <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so i think everybody struggling uh, for pp is just for their uh, nose and mouth currently so ears is definitely uh, not in the not even considered yeah so <laughs> if you're planning to auscultate the patient yeah i think you should cut it out yeah, just just look at the value of auscultation versus taking in the ultrasound machine true now um which brings us to the next question that you know how would you do ultrasound on a patient with a possible covid-19 infection or for that matter any highly contagious disease okay right um uh, and this uh, has been sorted more or less uh-huh. if you have a handheld device yeah you should definitely use that okay it's definitely uh, much easier to clean them up compared to a cart based machine yeah if you have to wheel in a cart based machine you should cover all surfaces which you might not use um when you are in mm-hmm. um if you are using a um handheld device mm-hmm. consider putting the entire so device inside um um the kind of sheets that you use for vascular access okay so if it's a phone connectable device yeah 
um, you can put your phone connected to the device inside the sheath. Okay. Um, yeah. Which has got some gel um, uh, at the probe end. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, your, even your phone's going to be inside that sheet. And um, I have personally verified that, you know, the touchscreen controls on your phone work through gloved hand and the phone inside a plastic okay. bag. That's an excellent, so, yeah. Perfect. Uh, if that's working, so that that's works. very handy. Um, there are um, wireless devices also okay. um, uh, made by more than one manufacturer, which connect to your phone or your tablet wirelessly and I believe those would be uh, providing a greater degree of freedom of movement Um, so if you have those uh, um, on the other hand I found that those wireless devices so far do not compare very well in terms of image resolution as uh, compared to the wired devices but once again this represents only those devices which I have personally used okay and I think sorry if I'm uh just try, trying to chip in a little bit. Uh, it's, I know it, maybe logistically it's a little difficult, but it's better to have a separate phone for your workplace or like in uh, sort of a tablet that connects to this, uh, uh, this sort of a probe. So you don't, you're not taking home your, the phone, uh, the germs really. Um, uh, not necessarily. Okay. I think if you can do a thorough wipe down, so um, almost all recent generation uh, smartphones in the last year or so are waterproof. Yeah. And almost all of them have uh, cleaning guidance. I use an iPhone myself, so I can speak for the fact that Apple website has got a, some um, uh, guidance on how to clean up your phone. Okay. Um, just remember that the coronavirus itself is not a particularly hardy virus to kill with usual bacteria, virus, acidal mm-hmm. agents. So uh, your standard alcohol wipes, uh, which you use for surface cleaning, um, they will take it out. Yep. Your standard uh, soapy, quaternary ammonium uh, wipes or surfactant wipes, any standard antimicrobial cleaning wipes, which are approved for use in your hospital, mm-hmm. are going to kill the coronavirus um, okay. amongst many other viruses and bugs. So, so you can just, just make sure that you know what you are using. Um, there are uh, uh, nuances uh, in this, but once again, if you just had nothing else, um, the other day I ran out of um, uh, those wipes in the department. Mm-hmm. And um, what I did was I did have a, uh, uh, the, the container for the wipes. Yeah but the wipes had all disappeared. Mm. So I had our housekeeping staff uh, uh, quickly pour in some uh, dilute hypochlorite solution, okay. 0.1%. Um, put some, uh, put a whole pack of sterile gauzes in them, so which became soaked with hypochlorite. Yeah. And then I could uh, pick out those uh, uh, gauzes one by one to wipe out the machine after every patient use. No, oh, that's excellent. That's very, that's a new idea. Uh, yeah. Because we might end the up other... uh, losing everything uh, in the coming few weeks. Let's hope we don't get there, but yeah. Absolutely. So um, most uh, um, uh, ultrasound components uh, are easily wiped off with hypochlorite-based wipes. If you actually have gel on your probe, then it's a good idea to you know wipe it off yeah. first. Mm-hmm. 
um, uh, so that you know the hypochlorite doesn't um, as, uh, comes in contact with the surface of the ultrasound probe directly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are ultrasound probes which are uh, uh, sterilizable with high-level disinfection um, with ultrasound with ultraviolet um, uh, rays or with um, uh, with disinfectant liquids. Okay. Um, you, uh, the same which are used for endoscope cleaning and all that. You just dip it in for a while and take them okay. out. Okay. Uh, but but once again, that is manufacturer dependent. The bigger issue here is whatever ultrasound machine you will use, handheld, cart based, you are also going to factor in gel. Okay. And um, uh, I think ultrasound gel can be a potential medium in which uh, pathogens can survive for a considerable time. Yeah. What I would suggest is to have a gel container away from the direct patient care area. Okay, right. And when you go into examine a mm-hmm. patient, um, uh, squirt some transmission gel into, for example, a kidney dish. Right. Uh, so the ultrasound um, gel, which is staying completely um, away from the patient care area does not get contaminated with pathogens. Don't bring it in the patient care area. Yeah, yeah. okay, that, you're right. So um, don't actually uh, have it in the uh, cart sort of uh, ultrasound machine. Take it off okay. the cart. Take it off the mm-hmm. cart. Yes, absolutely. It's um, uh, Most of us are used to, uh, and, and I'm aware that most um, emergency physicians as of today may not own a handheld um, ultrasound device. Sure, no, yeah. So if you are going to use a cart-based machine, first of all, cover, you know, put the machine in PPE. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, which is going to be a task. Mm. Um, and um, I, if it is possible, have a clean versus a dirty machine, so to yes. say. Uh, a machine okay. which you would uh, definitely use on patients that you know don't have COVID-19 mm-hmm. or or for that matter, um, you know, any sort of uh, transmissible pathogen. Yeah. Um, and have a separate machine for your suspected COVID patients. Perfect. Um, um, ultimately, it's going to uh, come down to how quickly you uh, are able to see X number of patients. And I think it definitely adds value. Mm. Uh, just be, before doing any intervention, not just ultrasound, but any intervention, a physical examination, um, um, an X-ray examination, a CT scan examination, blood tests, yeah, if you are doing it in a patient who has a highly contagious disease, then make sure that you minimize uh, the infection control risk. And ultrasound is uh, uh, figures in into that greater picture. Right. So just do a risk benefit assessment before anything that you do um, yeah. in these patients. Mm-hmm. That's a great great tip for sure. Yeah. So uh, if, for example, I do decide to do. Uh, an ultrasound, and I'm uh, I want to specifically look for findings in COVID nineteen on ultrasound. So, what probe should I be using, and where should I be looking? Um, most emergency physicians are comfortable with the E component of the E fast examination, yeah. which is detection of uh, pneumothorax and assessment for hemothorax. Yeah. Um, if you are able to do that, 
then you already know how to do the okay. ultrasound in terms of the technique mm-hmm. of it then it's just that when you are doing uh, your pneumothorax assessment you are most of the time focused on the anterior lung zones yes. um uh, whereas with uh, pneumonia detection or covid-19 pathology detection you would be scanning um the anterior zones the axillary zones mm-hmm. laterally right. and posteriorly um the interscapular zone so um now we are trying to uh, speak about how to do yeah. ultrasound without images which is always difficult so at the very outset i will say that you know it's best learned by watching videos yes. um or in person rather than in an audio format only For discussion sure, yeah, yeah. if you wanted to learn um and um the single best resource for a relative novice i would point you out to life in the fast lane website okay. where uh, dr james ripley right. has just put down a fantastic post today and if you are interested in lung ultrasound this would be the best 40ish minutes that you can Excellent. give it okay um so yeah. uh, i have tweeted about it Perfect. um uh, about this uh, particular video mm-hmm. and um uh, generally in ultrasound uh, just if you follow dr james ripi you would probably learn almost any ultrasound application which you wanted to and this is no exception he has covered a lot of ground in that video uh, and he the good thing is that he actually starts with the very basics so uh, i would highly recommend that video okay. uh, on the life in the fast lane mm-hmm. website uh, put out by dr james ripi sure. he tweets with a twitter handle at the sono k okay right so definitely going to have more followers you and him <laughs> <laughs> absolutely he's worth following um so about but but, but very quickly um and there's nothing here that dr james ripi has not covered okay. but um, um uh, once again very quickly you are going to need to um, use the abdominal probe so when we get taught the efast examination a lot of courses still teach uh, to use the high frequency yep. probe um we have stopped teaching that mm-hmm. way uh, because it involves probe swapping and if you reduce the depth so that the plural interface comes to the middle of the screen right um in that case the low frequency probe is also going to give you the same plural sliding information yes exactly so when you look at plural mm-hmm. sliding you uh, probably are familiar with the appearance of ribs yeah. and the appearance of the plural True. line uh, as an echogenic um True. line applied to the posterior aspect of a rib above and the rib yeah. below um and we usually start from the second intercostal space if the patient is supine right. and then we keep the probe vertically oriented um and we slide down in the mid clavicular line on the right side until you hit the liver mm-hmm. and on the left side until you hit the heart right um uh, and then you find those physiological lung points where the on the right side the lung um, ends and the liver begins yeah. and on the left side where the Uh, upper lobe of the lung ends and the heart begins okay. you need to do those same sliding maneuvers mm-hmm. in the axillary region and then posteriorly as well beginning in the interscapular region and then going down okay. all the way there's um uh, uh, some subtle um uh, hand movements 
just try to imagine in what orientation the ribs are located yeah. so uh, let's say you are scanning anterior lung mm-hmm. zones the ribs are more or less horizontally yeah. placed however they are curving backwards so if you uh, the, the the name of the game is trying to insonate the pleural surface at a perpendicular angle yeah. in ultrasound whenever you are insonating any structure um with the ultrasound beam striking that structure in a perpendicular direction you will make out the anatomical borders of that structure in a very sharp resolution mm-hmm. as compared to a fuzzy resolution if you are striking that as an yeah. angle so anteriorly you would benefit from um tilting your probe slightly medially um if you can imagine no, no, what i'm can, saying can. a lat yeah uh, scanning um laterally you would benefit from um rotating the probe so that the cranial end of yeah. the probe is slightly more anterior to the caudal end of okay, the probe okay. right get it yeah so that you are uh, because the ribs are moving antero anteriorly yes. and you want to hit them at a 90 degree angle right okay. and when you are scanning posteriorly mm-hmm. you want your lateral end of the probe sorry the upper end of the probe slightly lateral to the lower okay. end of the probe because the ribs are once again going um, inferior laterally yeah. so your your you are trying to put your ultrasound beam at a 90 degree angle once you have done your cranial to caudal mm-hmm. slides um you want to so you will identify rib pleura rib pleura um the next maneuver is to try to rotate um the probe so that now we are scanning in an intercostal okay. space so you will lose the sight of yeah. the ribs and now you are interrogating a wider pleural surface mm, okay so we don't stop at um, the pleural line we just uh where we where we what we do for pneumothorax usually so we Yes what you are scanning here scanning for here is other abnormality so you will definitely identify the pleural mm-hmm. surface um and uh, the things which you may not be familiar with or may be familiar mm-hmm. with are findings so when we are scanning teaching the efast the question is binary uh, is pleural sliding visible yeah. or not so pleural sliding is the focus uh, while we are doing an efast scan here there are um three or i would say three more things that you need to okay. be familiar with one first is pleural okay. thickening uh the second is b yeah. lines the third thing is consolidation okay. fine uh, so pleural thickening is very easily seen um if you compare it to a normal site so if you are uh, um scanning uh, thickened versus non thickened pleura it's very easy to make that differentiation right. it may sound a little intimidating or, you know i i barely know how to look for fluid in pleural cavity how am i going to look at pleural mm. thickening it's it's extremely easy actually okay. b lines um are um they, they are also called lung rockets because they appear like a very echogenic bright beam of light which begins at the pleural mm-hmm. surface and goes down all the way up to the end of yeah. the screen consolidation actually makes the lung appear like liver uh, if you um 
remember your pathology readings you might remember the stage of red hepatization it looks exactly like that in fact um, uh, uh, we have had people who are not familiar with wonder that oh you know how am i seeing the liver so high up while scanning mm. the chest and um, it's actually consolidated right. lung okay uh consolidated lung um within the consolidated lung you might see bronchograms right. and they could be air bronchograms or fluid bronchograms so consolidated lung is identified by hepatization mm-hmm. and hepatization within it there being bronchograms okay. remember diaphragm is going to be hugely important here if you are able to identify the diaphragm only then you can say that you know north of it would be the lung and south of it right. would be your liver yeah. or spleen so identification of diaphragm is uh, going to be uh, you know the equivalent of your epiglottis identification <laughs> in laryngoscopy <laughs> uh, yeah. it's the only um, the, without that you might lose uh, uh, sight of what you are seeing and make an error yeah. okay that's um, like very very well explained of... for somebody who's been doing a bit of lung ultrasound i mean i think uh, uh it will be easily understood and then the videos that you have just mentioned just going to consolidate that uh knowledge and skill absolutely i don't think there will be any shortage of patients to scan in the time no for sure no yeah um mm. um so in terms of yeah. interpretation um covid-19 pneumonia um is uh peripheral pleural based lesions which are in the at least in the initial stages discretely uh, distributed so you could have an area of normal lung followed by an area of pathology followed by an area of normal mm. lung uh, the initial areas of the lung to get involved in most patients are the posterior lateral zones rather than the mm-hmm. upper zones none of these are okay rules. and uh, none of these are definite rules so on the basis of your um font of care ultrasound you would not be diagnosing covid or for that matter any pathogen that's true yeah um ultrasound just tells you about the degree of involvement of the lung and the uh, fact that you know are there any obvious consolidation um, seen yeah. or not one of the things which has been noted in covid-19 in most of the patients is that pleural effusions are extremely rare huh. so if you had someone come in with and remember just because we have got covid-19 your pneumococcal pneumonias are not going to stop sure, coming yeah. in so if you have someone who's crashing with a pneumonia and you see a large amount of pleural effusion that could very well be a bacterial pneumonia with empyema formation which is causing the patient to deteriorate right. so uh, so that finding of a sin pneumonic effusion would argue somewhat against covid-19 as being the process once again there are no hard rules here um, it just tells you whether there's something or i think the bigger role for ultrasound is not going to be is this covid-19 pneumonia right. or not it's going to be once again as as we mm. said in the beginning that in your patient with acute yeah. dyspnea is this pneumonia or is this something else such as a pneumothorax or cardiogenic pulmonary edema or a large pleural effusion or a pulmonary embolism and i don't think there's any other tool 
um, other than ultrasound, which can give you that information um, with your initial patient encounter and help risk stratify and triage your patients okay. at the time of the initial yeah. clinical encounter That's itself. Right. That, that is very, very helping, of course. I was just thinking, uh, uh, one is we don't have such a big cohort of patients on whom ultrasound has been done to actually say that this is that some findings are specific. Would you agree with that? Yeah, there's no lung ultrasound findings which are specific to mm. COVID-19. Um, uh, I think uh, the published literature would yeah. also agree with that. Having said that, it would be extremely uncommon for someone with uh, respiratory failure uh, from COVID-19 to have a normal lung oh, ultrasound. Oh, okay. Right. right. So if you had someone with a completely normal mm -hmm. lung ultrasound, um, uh, uh, then maybe they don't have COVID-19 as the cause of uh, their shortness of breath and you should look for something right, else. Okay. And, um, uh, this uh, has actually a New England Journal of Medicine paper on that. Um, they use ultrasound in Ebola patients uh -huh. in Africa. And um, uh, uh, Imagine, a, I think that's one of the few point of care ultrasound uh, papers that's actually been published in the New England Journal. Because of that, that is big. I mean, you're using ultrasound in Ebola patients. <laughs> yes, so you're talking about a, a very, very <laughs> contagious disease. And yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, the reason it made such a big difference is that you know Africa resource limited setting and you have a patient with acute hemodynamic um, uh, mm. compromise so this article was published by uh, Patricia okay. Henwood um, the article titled imaging an outbreak ultrasound in an Ebola treatment wow. unit okay and there's a picture of her in full mm -hmm. PPE mm -hmm. <laughs> with uh, uh, what what looks like a you know laptop style uh, a sonocyte type ultrasound okay. machine. Um, and if you look at that, you know, it's obvious that there's no physical examination. There's no auscultation that you can do via that exactly. sort of PPM. Yeah. Um, so they, they have people who are hemodynamically unstable, who uh, could have, you know, uh, uh, pulmonary edema, could have a pneumothorax. Uh, sometimes these patients had an acute abdomen. Mm -hmm. And they found uh, there were some specific GI findings. So uh, when that paper came out, people said that, oh, you know, here ultrasound was useful only because it was a resource-limited wow. setting in Africa. Uh, but now we are seeing emergency departments in Europe and North America, which are which you could call resource-limited, oh, yes. isn't it? So, I mean, this is amazing. This is, uh, previously it was talked about uh, as ultrasound is something very expensive, the department or the hospital doesn't want to get it for ED because, you know, why should we invest in it? So it's actually something that's going to save your resources. Wow. Absolutely. So the, the downtime, we did a mm -hmm. CT scan on a patient who could have a COVID-19 yeah. infection mm -hmm. yesterday in a uh, hypothetical okay. hospital yes, that yes, I know right. of. Our CT scanner was out for the next two hours because they needed to do a uh, quote deep cleaning of the CT scan for machine. sure. Yeah. Um, 
what if we had a suspected aortic dissection come in in that time frame for two hours we were in emergency department without a CT mm. scanner um, yeah so um, uh, uh, and at, uh, at, at uh, another hospital which is experiencing a large number of uh, suspected mm. covid patients mm-hmm. that i know of the average time that it takes to get a portable chest x-ray has become oh. two hours okay and we are at the very beginning yep. of this <laughs> pandemic so that the things might i can what i can tell you is that things are going to get worse before they get better that i think that's almost that's a certain yeah with the current covid 19 yeah. pandemic so that reality yeah uh, it's uh, yes i think it's um, it's it's time that almost every one who might be doing might be seeing um, covid 19 patients not just emergency physicians but i would say that even those medical students who might be prematurely uh, uh, you know uh, asked to join yeah. clinical care even they should this is one of the things which is easily mm. taught and learned i think uh, the total time investment is not going to be in the excess of one hour yeah. per provider and i think um, uh, the, the, this might be a top diagnostic modality if it is used in a proper protocolized mm. way okay right uh, okay. that's that's excellent really definitely what i understand is it is uh, from where we are going uh, the situation we are going to land up in ultrasound is going to help uh, and uh, but of course we should not if it is clearly covid like a um, um, patient is behaving like a covid in every possible way or we certainly know that it is covid then there's no then you don't enter the patient's room unless you need it need to do that for exactly. a therapeutic intervention right. so that's what my take home would be um some people have actually uh used it in triaging i know you did touch a bit on that would you just uh, speak a little more on that um i don't think we are um uh, yeah. there yet because we have all uh, heard of patients and i have personally seen two patients who were mm-hmm. okay in the morning became a little short of breath yeah. an hour later and then within an hour later their oxygen requirement went up to 6 okay. liters per minute and within 6 hours of their developing shortness of breath some patients do have this very catastrophic yeah. progression um once again if your if you had an evaluation uh, which uh, in which you covid was your only differential or pneumonia was yeah. your only differential uh, in that case um, i think you should not be using ultrasound if you do use ultrasound then i have seen patients who had you know quite striking findings who looked okay, okay clinically mm-hmm. whereas patients who had uh, minimal findings initially who very rapidly developed so remember ultrasound is a dynamic thing it um, um, and having a normal ultrasound and with anything that's dynamic uh, so things uh, the, the the result that you have is with a time stamp that this patient had a normal ultrasound at 10 yeah. am think of it as an ecg in mm. chest pain patient um it's a snapshot of yeah. a dynamic situation and if the situation is dynamic then that one snapshot is not going to be enough should you be scanning them repeatedly uh i don't yeah. think so 
in most of the situations no but if there is um, a possibility that you know if you if you are worried that oh you know has this patient developed mm-hmm. a pneumothorax i think you should uh, consider doing ultrasound so that uh, you can provide expeditious yeah, management for sure. and do you think uh, like those really rapidly deteriorating patients uh, like sepsis in general they do cause some sort of septic cardiomyopathy very quickly like uh, within hours sometimes they might come as you said they might come with a bit of oxygen requirement bit breathless and then they deteriorate in front of you you put the probe on you know like a, a long axis view and you see features of cardiomyopathy is that uh, possible with covid as well um there have been numerous reports of patients with uh, covid uh, infection developing rapidly mm-hmm. a cardiomyopathy um which yeah. is multifactorial um it could be a direct viral myocarditis or it could be because of um myocardial ischemia from microvascular thrombosis right. uh both of these pathophysiologies have been described there could be other ways it's uh, septic cardiomyopathy is a thing and all of us know that you know there are patients with sepsis in whom they had initially a normal appearing heart and then on day 2 they have a heart which is having gross severe systolic dysfunction yeah. um so it is i do think that you know it does uh, help to know uh, but i think it's more of a uh, intensive yeah. care question rather than an okay. emergency medicine yeah. question um but yes if you are looking at gross lv systolic dysfunction uh in the setting of a covid infection it might influence your choice of whether you need to add an inotropic mm. agent versus right. a pressor agent you know it might make a difference whether you want to add a little bit of dobutamine to your noradrenaline yeah, yeah. okay or Perfect. not that's excellent that's that's uh, i think amazing uh talk that we've had uh very very informative certainly for me i hope it will be for the listeners you will certainly have more followers uh are there any resources besides the one you've already mentioned that you would say uh at the end for this there are so many resources but um, i think once you have been to life in the fast lane and you link out to the other resources mm-hmm. which are listed there um you would more or less hit all of them so i would just uh, for the sake of simplicity say that just yeah. go to life in the fast lane and then go wherever it takes you um right and i'll just add one more resource if that's okay which is yeah if you google 5 yeah, minute sono so that is also very helpful they've got an excellent 5 uh, minute video on uh, viral pneumonias which actually talks about rsv influenza and covid 19 and they've got a bit of bit of uh, literature to back that up as well so 5 minute sono is something also to look out for uh i can also vouch that it is a fantastic so yeah. i've i've used it and i i would fully agree with you the reason i mentioned the mm-hmm. life in the fast lane is uh, because it does have it does link out to uh, so many other websites including 5 mm-hmm. minute sono but then if you went to 5 minute sono it would also probably link out yeah. to the, <laughs> right. you know uh, the the uh, the Hashtag F O M A M U S. The FOMUS community is very active yeah. on social media, and they all 
um it's a uh, it's quite Perfect. collaborative uh thank you so much dr shukla it's been amazing talking to you um really really appreciate your time um i think we at least i uh, few of other friends of mine that do love ultrasound and uh, other people who are interested in covid covid would have more questions we will probably catch up later and uh, if you're okay with that absolutely and i'm uh, more than happy to answer any questions or via twitter uh, my twitter handle is at drshukla14 at drshukla14 and, and so i'll be most pleased yeah. if i can help and with don't anything. forget to post some good images of lung ultrasound as well <laughs> thank you I much will. thanks so, so much all right take care such a take pleasure care. such Bye-bye. a pleasure